John the Baptist. My goodness. He is, um, I remember a preacher once saying he is Mr. Advent in that he so clearly enunciates and makes clear the reason for the season. As I was um, reading and praying, you know, every week in preparation for this sermon and thinking about what John is saying here, um, I have come to a conclusion, really, is that Advent is a hard season. And it's very likely that what I'm going to share this morning, you're not going to like it. And I understand that. It's, it's not a comfortable thing. But I hope that in your not liking of what I'm going to share, you can uh, sense and hear God's voice of love. And that's where we're going to land. But it's going to be rough going until we get there. So let's get it. John the Baptist talks about two fires. And it's important for us to discern what he means by those two fires, because it's very easy for us to kind of put them together in one bundle. But we have to bring them apart. The first fire is the fire of God's judgment, his wrath on those who do not repent. That's the first fire. The second fire is a little more mysterious. This fire is promised and is going to be, it's going to come to us by John the Baptist's successor. The Holy Spirit and fire. So we have a fire of judgment of God and we have this mysterious Holy Spirit and fire. These are the two fires John the Baptist talks about. And the first one, in a sense, I think he makes pretty clear. The first fire is the fire of God's wrath and judgment against those brood of vipers. Those who feign repentance. They go to church, they repent, but their repentance is proven false by their lack of fruit. Repenting for years, decades even. No change spiritually. John the Baptist makes the connection. Your repentance is made, is proven by the fruit. And if there is no fruit, the axe is ready to the, the root of the tree. That is hard to hear by any standard. That's hard. And I can't pretend that it's not going to be. The fire of God's wrath and judgment is not my point of today's sermon. So you all can just breathe that out. That's not, that's not the point today. But since it's not the point, I'll just say this in passing. In passing. Because I've had these conversations. People in our churches, Christians who are not part of our churches, who uh, you know, I have conversations with, and they'll say, I don't feel that I'm I'm growing in my faith. I feel like it's waning. There's no difference in me. Should I even should I even trust Christianity? If you feel that way, if you take stock and measure of your life, I'm not asking you to tell me, but you tell yourself. And you say, you know what? My faith in who I am is the same today as it was 10 years ago. If that's who you are, I think you really have to rethink your faith, your trust in God, and your repentance. It's possible that either you're not repenting 
in honesty and truth, or you're actually repenting for the wrong thing. You know, sometimes we think that this is my problem, and I keep saying sorry to God for this one. And if I just listen to what God is saying, he'd say, actually, your problem's right here. You think your problem is that you're gossiping. Your actual problem here is that you don't trust me. It's possible. I don't say this to alarm, but if we can't say this in Advent, then I'm not sure what we're doing. Take stock of your life. All right. That's the fire of God's judgment. But there's this second fire. It's more mysterious. But of course, we know that this fire is the fire of Jesus, the promised Holy Spirit. This is a fire that is meant to transform us. It's given to us in our baptisms. If you're a baptized Christian, it's yours, even now. But the fire of the Holy Spirit is the one that brings about true repentance, right? That you actually are giving eyes to see what's broken in you. And then come to God and say, forgive me for this. I need help. And yet this fire of the Holy Spirit that brings us to true repentance, I know enough now that it's very galling to Canadian Anglicans. It is. And I've been wondering about this. Why is it that we struggle so much with this double fire? Right? Why do we struggle to hear about it, consider it? And I want to suggest something. I want to suggest that we struggle with the fire of God because we've concocted this idol that Canadian Anglicans are especially susceptible to. It's a subtle idolatry of proclaiming the unconditional love of God but we actually mean it as a kind of cheap grace, right? We, when we are faced with something problematic, we say, oh, the unconditional love of God, and that's meant to answer all the challenging theological questions relating to the profundity of our sin. In short, we can't stand acknowledging the overwhelming need for repentance and the fiery transformation of God's Holy Spirit. They're different things, right? The fire of God, God's unconditional love, and then this other thing that we also call unconditional love, but it's kind of bland and generically affirming. We have to have a different word for it. I want to call it, I was thinking, uh, bluff. Bluff. This version of God's unconditional love that doesn't challenge, but blandly affirms, that's not found in scripture. We'll call that bluff. But God's real unconditional love is the fire that transforms. Bluff is just a deluding mantra meant to, um, it's like we don't want to face what John the Baptist is talking about. 
the Holy Spirit and Jesus' baptism of fire. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You've heard that. I think it's fearful because if you fall into the hands of the living God, the God who is fire, you cannot be left unchanged. Even now, you put your hand in in the fire, what's going to come out? It'll be different. It won't be the same. Now, that's destructive, but you get the point. And if you fall into the hands of the living God, his hands are fire, you will be different. You'll be purified. If that purification doesn't come by pillows and blankets, it melts away the dross of the sin that has us bound. And what's left is the pure self that God always meant for you to be. At least it would have to be uncomfortable. And yet that fiery power is exactly what we need in our lives. We need repentance. We need sacramental confession. We need to be deepened in our lives of prayer. We need to be changed. William Temple, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury during the years World War II. And he wrote um, this incendiary book called Christus Veritas. Um, Very controversial, but also amazing. And he wrote this book, and in part of it, he's actually chastising those who, even in those days in World War II, underplayed the reality of the destructiveness of sin in our lives. And I want to read you this quote. It's a little long, but I want you to hear what he's writing here. It's so important for us to hear. And this is William Temple. He says, I quote, There is a real antagonism of God against the sinner so long as he continues in his sin. It is true, of course, that God loves the sinner while he hates the sin. But this is a shallow psychology which regards the sin as something nearly separate from the sinner, which he can lay aside like a suit of clothes. My sin is the wrong direction of my will. And my will is just myself so far as I am active. If God hates the sin... What he hates is not an accretion attached to my real self. It is myself, as that self now exists. God knows I am capable of conversion. He loves me while I sin, but it cannot be said too strongly that there is a wrath of God against me as sinning. And therefore, though he longs to forgive, he cannot do so unless my will is turned from its sinful direction into conformity with his or else there is at work some power which is capable of affecting that change in me. End quote. That power, of course, as we see, is the inexorable, fiery power of the Holy Spirit, which was given to us in our baptism. You know, I started by saying this distinction of the double fire. It was important to take it each in hand. But now as we hear what William Temple is saying, we're beginning to see the double fire are actually two sides of the same coin. There's this poem 
by John of the Cross, famous Catholic mystic. And he writes this. He says, we only live, only suspire, consumed by either fire or fire. We only live, only suspire, consumed by either fire or fire. That is all of human life. The end of it. The end, you're consumed by fire or fire. You're consumed by the fire of God's judgment, or you're transformed, purified by the fire of the Holy Spirit. There is no third way. Because both fires are the expression, the reality of God's eternal presence of love, always on offer. But our response to that fire or lack of it is experienced either as a final divine judgment or equally as transformative grace. This Holy Spirit is always there to lead us, to allure us, to call us. But ultimately, the choice is ours. God doesn't overwhelm our choice. I've said that before. God is not a tyrant. He's not a bully. He's not going to force you to believe, obey, repent. You are invited. My friends, this is Advent. And as St. Paul reminded us last week, it is time to wake up because our salvation is at hand, much closer to us than when we first believed. Our human life, at least here in Canada, is one where we forestall or ignore the reality that we are fragile and always one breath away from death. This season is where the Christian church comes together and remembers and acknowledges that we are finite beings a date as fixed when we were born, and as sure there's a date fixed when we die. And in those two bookends, we're given a chance by the living God to connect with him. That was always the design. That was always the purpose for you and I to enjoy a connection with God of life and love forever. That's been severed. And yet God has come in the person of Jesus to reconnect us to God in a way that we never could. And he has. And now the choice is yours. Will we repeat weekly pieties, say these words, gather together to, gather together to sing, and they just bounce off of us without any transformation? Or will we return in repentance to the living God, submitting to God's will, all of my life, God, is yours. Do with it as you will. Open to be touched by God's fire. It'll burn. It will hurt. Change always hurts. But it's also true life. True love. And it only comes through Jesus. Let's hope and pray that this adamant we turn to Jesus in repentance and faith, not only for our great good, but for God's greater glory.